living God on this most significant of days. We pray that the words of my mouth and the reflections of our hearts and minds together might be found pleasing in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The day of Pentecost that we have described in our New Testament reading from Acts chapter 2 really must have been quite something. What an incredible, awesome, noisy, chaotic, life-giving day it must have been. We're told that the people were utterly amazed and that they all wondered what on earth was going on and what it meant. A little while after that, Peter stands up and he addresses the crowd. He explains that this new phenomenon, this incredible moment, is something that in fact has been spoken about before, especially by the prophet Joel, who wrote, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So many things can be said about the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit But one thing declared most emphatically on that day was this, that this is the gift that is poured out freely on all kinds of people. Everybody. Daughters, sons, young, old, servants, and all the rest. Peter proclaimed on that day that anyone who puts their trust in God, God's love in Jesus Christ, no matter who they are, receives this incredible gift, impartially given. This empowerment to prophesy is the word the Bible uses. Prophesy. Now, that's not a word that many of us use very often. To our mental thesaurus, often the word prophesy is often a synonym for the word predict. I prophesy. I predict that there might be rain on the way this afternoon. Now, actually, that wasn't a prophecy. I looked it up on my weather app this morning. I've seen the clouds outside, and we've planned a street party, so of course it's going to rain this afternoon. But in the Bible, to prophesy means something slightly different. In fact, it means two things. First, it means to discern the will of God. And secondly, it means to declare the will of God, to declare what has been discerned. It means both, to see the vision and then to speak the vision of God's own heart. This is what it means to be a prophet. Sometimes it means that uh, when the world seems to say that something is right, we stand and say, no, that's not right. When the world says that strength and muscle and power is right, the prophet says, not by might. Not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Sometimes it means when those around us have lost their moral compass, it means standing and saying, this is what we must do if we are to be just. This is what we must do if we are to be like Christ. 
And the thing is, I don't know if this is true for you, but it often is for me. But I tend to think that people with that kind of courage to stand up and speak, that kind of gift, are rare people in the world. Maybe in any given generation, there's a handful of people with that kind of bravery and insight. A Moses, a Paul, a Joan of Arc, a Gandhi, a Martin Luther King, a William Barber, just a handful of people. And yet, and yet, the extraordinary, outrageous claim of Scripture is that this insightful, courageous gift is poured out on everybody who will have it. Young and old, female and male, servants and leaders. Do you sense how in this moment the world is being radically turned upside down? It means, amongst other things, that when it comes to the spirit of Christ, everybody is eligible for a calling. Everybody is empowered for discernment. Everybody is a candidate for courage. It means, amongst other things, that God plays by different rules than the rules that most of us have been brought up to play by. Our rule book puts a lot of stock in how we sound different from one another, or how we look different from one another, or how we think different from one another. We might say, we are British, they are Russians, or Iranians, or Rwandans, but God loves to say, I will pour out my spirit on everybody, all flesh. Some like to say, too many still like to say, these men will make great leaders, these women ought to play a different role. But God loves to say, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. We might be heard to say, these millennials, Generation Y, they haven't been around long enough to tell us anything. And these old timers over here are too set in their ways to know what's going on. God loves to say, your old ones will dream dreams and your young ones are going to have visions. We might be inclined to say, we want to hear from the educated and the articulate. Let's look to the pretty ones and the powerful ones. And God loves to say, on the poor and on the fruit-picking farm worker and on the homeless mother, I will pour out my spirit, so pay attention. All the rules are changed. And it does appear that God will empower whomever God will empower. Can anyone control the Holy Spirit? Not in the slightest. And you can feel the Spirit. You can have the Spirit. You can be filled with the Spirit, but you cannot, you cannot own the Spirit or boss the Spirit about. Jesus said, the wind blows where it will. You can hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it came from and you don't know where it's going, as it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. You know, all the walls we've built with which we've attempted to say who each other can be and what each other can do and cannot do. Walls of gender and race and nation and class. God's Spirit powerfully and joyfully disregards them. I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Those who live in the Spirit know this. And so this morning, I want to remember I want us to think about three callings that are given to every one of us in the church. Can I let you into a secret? I usually resist three. 
because it just feels so, that's what you're supposed to do. So usually I have two or four, but I couldn't leave one out and I didn't want to fabricate a fourth one for the sake of it. So you have got three this morning, but know that I'm embarrassed by that as well. (laughs) First, in the name of Jesus Christ, friends, don't let anyone or anything convince you that you don't have a calling in this world to live a prophetic life. These days, as in every generation, there are plenty of voices that might try to say to you, for this reason or that reason, you are ruled out. You don't count. You don't matter. Or worse, for many of us, there might even be voices inside of us that are ruling us out. Well, friends, whatever the voice inside you is saying and whatever the voices around you are saying, God's Spirit rules you in. In Christ, you have a vision. In Christ, you have a voice. Don't let anybody ever tell you any different. Second, because the Holy Spirit is always speaking to us through a variety of different voices, voices that are different to ours, we have to be sure to listen to as many of God's children as we can as they try to be faithful to what it is that they know in Christ too. Have you heard any of the audio clips that do the rounds every so often on social media where different people are convinced they're hearing different words? Have you ever come across any of these? Or seen the pictures where the dress looks either this colour or that colour to different people? You've seen these things? It's fun to see who sees what colour and who hears what and how different frequencies and resolutions and perceptions affect what it is that we see. But the real challenge, of course, is overcoming the divides that we create, the walls we build and the chasms we dig. And so always the whole church needs to listen to its older members and what they have to say. And always the whole church needs to listen to its youngest members and what they have to say. You know, I was talking to somebody not too long ago, not part of our church, who was trying to persuade me that the people in their church who disagreed with them somehow didn't really count and needed to find a way of making a decision that only included the people who'd really thought about it and who'd really looked at it and had really studied about it. But we're not going to let these people involved in the decision-making process, are we? It's like, well, yeah, that's how it works. And when you dug underneath all of it, what was really happening was they only wanted people who thought what they did to be involved in the decision-making process. There's no need for discernment if we just talk to the people who think like we do. (laughs) What's more, people in the UK and in the West more broadly, we need to listen to what churches have to say in other parts of the world. The Middle East, the Caribbean, South America, Sub-Saharan Africa and everywhere have a vital and vibrant piece of God's vision. We celebrate today that the Spirit blows across the border and boundaries that we create to the love and power of God. One of the things we always celebrate at Pentecost is the different cultures and language and heritages that make up our congregation. And each of these flags here this morning represent uh, somebody's uh, culture and heritage in our church. And if you're here this morning and you can't see your flag somewhere up there, let me know and I'll make sure that next year it's up on the wall. And for those of you who, you know, are still guessing, that's the Democratic Republic of Congo, just above Australia, over there. And beyond that, even within the church, we've got conservative Christians and liberal Christians and Catholic Christians and Methodist Christians and charismatic Christians and Orthodox Christians and all the rest 
And they can all sit down and hear what the Spirit is saying through each one. Nobody's right about everything. No denomination has a monopoly on truth and goodness. But everyone in whom the Spirit dwells has a piece of the vision and a part of the voice. The Holy Spirit empowers us to overcome divisive words and behaviours and attitudes and to build bridges of understanding. The Holy Spirit is a unifying force. And finally, friends, if you are in Christ, if it is to Jesus that you belong, if it is Jesus that you are doing your best to follow, you have a calling to prophesy. You've got to find your part of the vision and with all your heart work at making it known. That is the calling for each of us. And it's a calling for each church community too. With the Spirit's good help, you've got something to say. And we've got something to say. Or to say, or to sing, or to give, or to live out. You might be thinking this morning that you don't know what your piece of the vision is, or that you used to know but you don't know anymore. That's all right. Keep listening to that persistent calling that grabs you and won't let you go. God will make your piece of the vision clear enough in time. You might be thinking this morning, well, that's fine, but I'm no prophet. I'm convinced that one of the most important things that we can do as God's people, and something that I'm increasingly coming to value, is to keep telling the story of the saints not necessarily the saints that we find in stained glass, but the everyday people like you and me who have learnt to embody the prophetic imagination, helping the world to see a different way. This is our job. This is our calling. And sometimes talking about it won't be enough. The world needs to see a different way. That's part of our role as the church is to live in such a way together that it speaks of a new way and a new vision and of God's kingdom. So when the world goes this way, we go that way. When the world says it's about becoming strong and loud, we say it's about being servant-hearted and kind. It doesn't take global-scale heroics to see and say God's vision in the world. It's people like you and me, speaking and giving and praying and living in the power of the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit who was given to Martin Luther King and Teresa of Avia and Dietrich Bonhoeffer and all our heroes of the faith. 2,000 years ago, when Peter had finished sharing that life-changing news to the crowd in Jerusalem, God's Spirit moved inside them. God's Spirit moved inside their hearts and their minds and they asked, well, what do we do? What shall we do? Well, maybe this morning, maybe in these days, God's Spirit is moving in you and in us, leading you to ask, what shall I do in the face of the good news of Jesus Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit? I've heard the good news, now what? And friends, I'm simply going to give you what Peter said to them, because I don't think the formula has changed at all. In response to what we have come to know of the goodness and grace of God through Jesus Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit, Peter tells them that they are to change their hearts and lives to become more like Jesus Christ. That they are to be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness 
of their sins and that they will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so, friends, I offer the same three things to you this morning. We've got to change our hearts and our lives to let the Holy Spirit work from the inside out, making us more like Jesus Christ, with a heart after his own, and a willingness to love our neighbour as we love ourselves. The calling is to be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And friends, if you're here this morning and you've not been baptised, I'd love to talk to you about that. And then third, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That promise excludes nobody. That promise is for you. And so, Spirit of God, flow through our lives and open our mouths to speak in the power and the freedom and the love of the gospel. Let no one here be afraid, but give us each courage and joy to be able with all that is in us to say to Christ that we're in and we're here and we're ready to say that to the Christ in whose name we pray. Amen.